All right, guys, welcome to the debrief. Uh, this is our debrief after the Drake episode. New Drake. <laughs> New dropped. Drake just dropped. <laughs> Don't steal that tweet. Okay. I'm, I'm writing that tweet from the Bankless HQ account. Don't we steal tweeted that. that before. I'm we not going to steal it. Oh, is yeah, that yours? Definitely. No, I don't know. I, th- I feel like we've tweeted that before. All right. Well, every time there's a Drake, Drake episode that we record, the Bankless HQ, the only thing that we write in the announcement tweet is new Drake just dropped. We'd have the other Drake on, but he'd be less interesting than Justin Drake. Yeah, we would have to use his full name. I, would be, what's like, the other, I don't even know the other Drake's full name. It's just Drake. He's so famous. You just get like a one, you know, for, first name kind of thing. It's like, it's like Madonna. Well, yeah, but that's what our Drake is inside of crypto. <laughs> And we're so trying we, to make him that he's not we had that yet the though. other drake so that's why i'm literally calling him the other drake if we had the other drake on our podcast <laughs> we, we couldn't call Second him drake. just drake yeah we'd have to call him other drake yeah non-crypto drake, non-crypto drake. anyway talking to you know what we should talk about the mechanics of this podcast though because <laughs> david technically uh i have never done a harder podcast that was a challenge that was it a felt challenge. like we were like completely blind it was, so, it was like doing a podcast in a in a pitch black room i hope this uh, bankless listeners i hope this podcast turns out um correctly if mm-hmm. it does if it if it if it's very listenable it's all our the editors, power of our editors yeah. who mm-hmm. put this thing together because this was stitched over like three or four different Cuts, recordings yeah mm-hmm. um justin drake drake was out of uh town so mm-hmm. he or he's in, in turkey the, yeah, he was he was on vacation, and so we were dealing with like hotel uh, Wi-Fi, and at points it would be great, other points mm-hmm. we couldn't even hear Justin's response. And like part of what we like to do, David, of course, is like reiterate, summarize, try to ask the next informing question. But we were listen totally to the guest. Yeah, listen to the guest. We we heard like fractions of what he uh-huh. was saying, and. It just like was very uh, disconcerting and, and very hard to like mm-hmm. seamlessly put together um, a podcast around this. But the good news is, Drake, of course, came into this episode with his agenda, of as, as he does, right? Yeah. So like what, that's what the that's the only way we were able to do this is because uh, he was very methodical in terms of like how he wanted to express his points and what he actually wanted to say. So we were able to use that as kind of a guidepost. Yeah. Um, like, I think you'll, I'm going to obviously re-listen to this, um, but I'm pretty sure there's a pr- pretty clear mark around the 30 minute line where like things were flowing super well. Yeah. And then like Jay, he, he, Drake, Drake uh, loses concentration sometimes and it's hard for him to get back on. And like, it took us a while to get back into the swing of things. And so it goes from like super smooth where we're all looking at each other in the face. Cause the internet was good. And then it got like choppy and like, uh, like frustrating and like awkward, but, but we ended up getting back on the ship. Yeah. But yeah, what what could we use have Skype been? in the end? Yeah, and we had to, we were, yeah, we were using salvage. fucking Skype. Wait, no, wasn't he dialed in like via phone? Or he something? was on Skype on his phone, <laughs> and he was recording locally. And oh, the reason man. why we have okay, so like we should we'll, we'll see what happens on the other side of this. But we should have local audio, local video. It should be great audio quality of both. It's just the conversation was like was just not didn't flow super well because we were doing it through goddamn skype and we had we were we weren't able to see him we had no time to reschedule and i couldn't see you either like right and we had no time to reschedule this either because he you know is doing things at conferences and i think the time is really now david to talk about this um censorship resistance 10 more days yeah we can't it's just because like ofac is in the news there's all sorts of fud on crypto twitter about like all it takes for ethereum to be censored is for a few government agencies to like 
put a couple of smart contracts on a sanction list and then the whole thing collapses. And we had to get some insight into that line of conversation. So I feel like we achieved that anyway. Um, where do you want to start? Should we talk about like the actual uh, content of the episode now instead of the meta? Yeah. One thing I would, there, there's a, a tweet that's been like living rent free in my brain. It's from this guy, Matt Odell. Do you know Matt Odell? I know Matt Odell as the guy who constantly from 2018 to about 2020 was saying the merge will never happen. Ethereum will never transition to proof of stake. Is it that Matt Odell? Yeah, I don't know if it's, I mean, we could be talking about many different Bitcoiners and he falls into that same place, yeah, <laughs> close, close enough. Um, okay. He, he wrote memory. this tweet that said, uh, DeFi is absolute chaos right now and all the government did was update a blog post. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so like, it, it, first off, this is the Bitcoiner narrative game. So it's like, oh, Ethereum is so fragile and like, you know, subject to censorship. Like all, have to, all the government has to do is update a blog post and everything's like going to shit. <laughs> Like, I'm really glad this is overall happening uh, because like it, we we needed this whole thing to happen. And what what is really happening here? And what, OK, the, the, to unpack that tweet, just to make sure we're all, everyone's on the same page. The, Matt O'Dell is facetiously claiming that like the OFAC sanctions list is a blog post. And it's like really like reducing what the significance of that thing is. It's just like the government has this blog post. And if your name is on that blog post, you're not allowed to be transacted with. And so they put the tornado cash on like the blog post. And now that you can't transact with that. And that caused like DeFi to go into this uproar, which is a little bit uh, going into like the chilling effect, right? And so like beyond just like the the actual strict interpretation, there's like the loose interpretation of, well, like now we have to block the front ends and now we have to do this and now we have to do that and like causing DeFi to have an uproar. And like one, one part of that tweet from Matt O'Dell is a little bit sensationalist and really trying to like take a jab at Ethereum. The other half of it is like, well, actually, like kind of, yeah, like we overreacted as an industry. And I think it's really because we haven't been stressed at as an industry and it's very much like ethereum is this anti-fragile system the community around ethereum is also anti-fragile so i'm really glad we're having the this event where like these 50 addresses were actually banned from ofac because now we kick into gear our anti-censorship efforts which are under full force and, and underway which includes fighting in meat space fighting for uh, in the legal system but even if that line of defense fails, like we had this entire podcast with Justin Drake about like, it doesn't matter what the physical meat space does. We will have censorship resistance on Ethereum at the end of the day, both at the protocol level and at the stack above it. Uh, and so drawing that line in the sand and showing like we have the mechanisms of putting power in the hands of the individual to not be censored. I think forces those values up the stack and gives like these lawyers like a bit like foundations to stand on. Uh, and and so because when the, fundamentally you cannot censor at the protocol level and then also on the stacks above that, it, uh, it the reason why that is is because uh, so much like collateral damage happens if you force censorship. If you, if like the OFAC comes in and says, hey, if you touch a block that touches Tornado Cash, you'll get thrown in jail. All of a sudden, there's so many other rights that must be violated in order for OFAC to get that will that it puts so much power into the hands of our meat space lawyers to defend that and stop it so early in the stack from like censorship from infiltrating the rest of the stack. Um, so that's kind of like what what my conclusion is. is. Like, yes, DeFi is in this uproar. We're having this massive conversation. We're kind of 
kicking some own goals right now. We're breaking some of our own stuff. Um, but as a result of this, once the dust settles, we're going to be in such a stronger place. You know, David, I think that's been the story of 2022. Yeah. Is why I'm so bullish. People, people see these things as uh, like bearish. I'll, I'll give right. you three specific events. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one event, the collapse of uh, Terra mm -hmm. US, UST. Um, people thought that was bearish. Um, it's not bearish. <laughs> well, it it's is bullish. For it is for we, Terra. It sure. is for the ecosystem. The but for crypto bullish. writ large, we have just hardened against stupid Ponzi backed stable coins. Right. Algo stable coins will no longer be a thing. They won't, at least for this generation. God, I, hope. Uh, Knock on <laughs> I, I mean, like, and, and, and very glad that this happened at what was like USC, like, you know, 20 billion, 40 billion. I, 50, I can't remember. 50, 50, 50 billion. Uh, imagine it happening at like 500 billion. Right. You know, it's a 10x worse uh, case. All right. So we caught it early. We hardened against that. Uh, centralized exchanges going defunct, as painful as that was. I saw money locked in Celsius. I remind people, I was with some of that pain a little bit. It's so a little bit of that pain. I tasted it uh, for the experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I did it. Um, but like, um, you know, we what did we learn? Not, not your not your right. keys, not your crypto. Right. We learned we can't trust these black boxes, centralized exchanges. And now we're getting this third test, which is censorship resistance. And on the back of this, we are further hardening our censorship resistance. We're having episodes like this to educate the community to talk about what does Ethereum do in the event that a, a group of centralized validators try to censor. We're, game, we're gaming this scenario out. And we're becoming stronger as a result because we're identifying all of our weak points. I um, I think the the kind of the Bitcoin maximalist take here is um, is lacking because like Bitcoin isn't even facing these types of of trials. Um, I I do want to get your thoughts on this though, David. I was going to bring this into the roll up, but like now is the time to to maybe talk about it. Oops, not Joe Biden. Um, are you seeing my Twitter? And pe yep. people can't John, really see this. John from Delphi. Yeah. yeah, you know John from Delphi. Yeah. So he put together this graph though, and this is like kind of his worry for things, right? So what we're seeing is um, an x-axis and a y-axis, and on the y-axis we have uh, not worth regulating and worth regulating. Right. The x-axis we have high functioning and low functionality. Um, and then we have Ethereum in the top right quadrant where it's high functionality and worth regulating. And then you have Bitcoin in the lower left quadrant where it's low functionality and not worth regulating, right? So the worry that John has about this is that Bitcoin has somehow carved out this place where it's just not even worth regulating or attacking by nation states. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the only effective loophole by which a cryptocurrency or crypto network can become non-threatening enough to actually like weave its way into like through the nation state gauntlet right. of like not being strangled right. in its crib, okay? Right. And then so he worries about this, that we'll get this, two forks, um, we'll get a, a fed ETH up here and a free ETH over here. Um, uh, Fed ETH is uh, censored with high functionality. Yes. And free ETH is uncensored and high functionality. Exactly. And I think it's back to probably the worry that the um, the Fed the Fed ETH will effectively win, right. and that there'll be no niche, no uh, way for a free ETH to like it'll just be slowly strangled by by the nation state. You know, like um, like. 
kind of like i don't know th- those vines this like you know mm-hmm. that kind of wrap around your neck and and is slowly squeeze squeeze the life out of you these vines don't exist do they it's just like uh fantasy movies or something right. i don't know where i've seen these things like a harry potter harry thing po- yeah right right yeah um I another name of those so that's that's his worry mm-hmm. what do you think about this Go, go, let's go back to the first chart. Um, and I'm glad he made that second chart because while you were showing me this first chart, uh, I was thinking, well, there's actually a Z-axis, which is how sensorable is it? Uh, one that's going 3D through this plane here that we're looking at. But I would also contend that high functionality is similar, not one-to-one, but highly adjacent, I'd say, at least decently adjacent. High functionality is similar to censorship resistance. Censorship resistance is a function. That is a property that you can have and it's enabled by functionality right uh and so i think if you get functionality you also get optionality and censorship resistance i hate that word censorship i hate pronouncing that word censorship (laughs) um and so uh yeah like it this is like bitcoiners will argue because they have to uh that low functionality is actually a defense feature in that like, oh, it's just Bitcoin. It's so like unthreatening and, you know, it just like slips right into the financial system and then people adopt it. And then boom, all of a sudden, like the Federal Reserve can't print any more money because all that money gets immediately sold for Bitcoin and the dollar devalues and hyperinflates and makes Bitcoin go to the moon. Like that's kind of like their defense of like, yeah, you actually don't want utility because it makes this thing able to be accepted. But also that just seems so weak weak non-cypherpunk so impotent yeah it, I, I called this was when i was getting into that fight with uh ryan selkis is that like bitcoin remains metal af is what ryan selkis said like metal af, AF it's law lo- it's stripped away all of its claws and all it's of its teeth. not worth regulating it's not worth regulating. This- it's, <laughs> it's not worth fighting for because it's just 21 million it's well, because 21 million units. You already have, because Bitcoin, uh, from a network functionality perspective, the only thing you can do with Bitcoin, the money verb that you can do is transact. You can move right. Bitcoin from one place to another, right? You can't add privacy as an app to it. You can't lend or borrow using it. Mm. You can't do banking functions on top of it in the way you can with Ethereum. And so like, US, like governments already have that covered. Because right. all they have to do it, is it post- comes with censorship out of the box. Yeah, because, because everything ha- is yeah, you get centralized finance. exchange. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's not worth regulating. Not only is it not worth regulating, it's regulated out of the box. So I guess part of like John's tweet is like basically it's back to kind of the thing that people have always been worried about with crypto is can you actually get this thing? Can you weave that path through the gauntlet? Of right. nation states not choking out of existence. They used right. to say this about Bitcoin, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, in the early days. They were like, Bitcoin will never work. I remember so many, because no one's going to allow you to have a non-state government. Right. Now, here we are. It's like, they've never tried to choke it out of existence. Mm-hmm. There's never really been a nation state war on Bitcoin at any level. And, and like, here we are with some saturation. I don't know if you have anything more to say on this, um, but if you do, Tell me. Yeah. I also want to get to kind of the nuclear option and talk about that a little bit because I think that was interesting. But what else on this? Yeah, the last thing I'll say is that the goal is to have as much much functionality as possible while maintaining your unregulatability. And so like the more functionality you have, the more like regulatability surface area, but also the more options you have at your disposal to become unregulated. And so that's really the thing that makes the best money is you are super fucking useful. 
and you're still censorship resistant. There you go. That's the optimization point. All if right. you get that, you get ultrasound money. So let's break down what Drake's case was here. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like there is a patchwork of things. So first of all, he's weak censorship and strong censorship. Weak censorship is just you're delaying transactions. Strong is you completely eliminate them. Mm-hmm. Much more pernicious, right? The corruption right. is deep. Right. Uh, weak censorship. Uh, it seems like there is a patchwork of different things in all sorts of different areas that not only the protocol is doing, but the entire Ethereum community is doing mm-hmm. to make this thing further censorship resistant. And that's where it feels like every time we're attacked in some small way, we like route around, right? It's kind of like this river. It's just like, oh, right. can't go here. Just right. kind of routing around. And we're just like that, you know, we have this just uh, pattern of, of water flow where we're just routing around all right. of the blocks. And this happens gradually over time. There's some hardening that we can do. But um, Drake is essentially saying he's pretty bullish that we'll be able to completely defeat all the weak censorship right. style of attacks. Uh, and of course, weak censorship is also not the end of the world, right? So mm-hmm. I suppose that it just could double or triple or quadruple a block time, okay, the time yeah. it takes to get you uh, into the into the mempool and the transaction process. So let's take weak censorship first. What do you think about that case? You think mm-hmm. that was compelling? Yeah, my model for what weak censorship is and why it's still worth fighting against is like imagine like a trickle, a a stream trickle, water flow, and it's flowing downhill into like the lake and the lake being Ethereum. Once you're in the lake, you're good. Um, But then you run into a dam and you start to pool up around that dam. And then then you overflow that dam and a new trickle forms like to the left. And then that goes and keeps on going down the hill. Maybe it runs into another dam. But the point is like at some point, like you're you're you still have that dam, that first dam, and you still have that pool of water behind that dam that's restricting flow. Slowing you down. It's slowing you down. And then you run into another dam, like, all right, so you go to Uniswap front end, but you live in Iran, and all of a sudden you run into your first dam. And so, all right, what do you do? You go to, like, a new front end. You go to, like, Zapper, which might also be banned. And so there's the second dam. All right, so what do you do? You go to Etherscan, and you just go into, like, the actual, like, right contract of Etherscan. Actually kind of hard. So you're at dam number three. And you're really just adding friction to using Ethereum, right? Yes. And we know that bad UX means you don't get users. Like, there's a reason why we're not all on Tor browsers. UX equals scalability. Yes, UX equals scalability. So we do want to, like, and so, like, imagine we have, like, four dams of pooled up water before you get down to the lake. And if the, all those dams broke, just the flow would be so much better. It would be so much more useful. It'd be less, less destructive to its local environment. Like the metaphors here, the flowing river metaphors, this is like the third flowing river metaphor of Ethereum <laughs> I've used in like the last two weeks. Um, but like, it's important to note that we don't want, even though we will route around every single dam that is between you and Ethereum, we still don't want them. Uh, and so that's kind of what I wanted to say about that is like, and, and it's not just about um, delayed block times because some like part of Ethereum won't propose that transaction. It's also just about the ease of use. Uh, and like, do we need to like open up Tor browsers to use Ethereum? Because if we do, I would say Ethereum's failed. If we can't use Ethereum in our normal browser extensions and normal browsers, then like we Well, let me lost. ask you, do you think Ethereum's failed in that case? Or do you think like, are the nation states have failed, right? Both, I mean, both. Ethereum that, needs to be able to be more powerful than being able to be run through Tor. Yes, but also, like, what happens, David, if there is a world temporarily where every single jurisdiction makes 
Ethereum illegal. And like the only way you can do right. do this yeah. sort of thing is to me I that's guess the less degree of, of, of nation state authoritarianism is also relevant. That's less of a, an Ethereum failure and more of like a what the hell? Where do we live? Uh, our nation right. states have stripped away our basic civic rights. And like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. If I have to be, if it's a covert operation to talk to have a podcast, like, or I'm talking like a different future. This is not where we're living right now. But like, anyway, uh, continue though. I, I get the larger point. Yeah. Oh, actually, just to double down on that, I did a layer zero, which will come out tomorrow for listeners who are listening to this on Monday with um, uh, a person who used to live in China. I asked him about, he worked on the content moderation um, side of a social media app, um, ByDance. Uh, and he he talked about how this ByDance company had 20 to 30,000 content moderators, as in human humans. beings. Humans manually reviewing content that got flagged by an algorithm so like this is not like there and first an algorithm like or political dissent for like so they because the cost of letting political dissent speech exist on your application can ruin a whole entire business so it's rational that this company uh, employs 20 to 30,000 content moderators to make sure that not one video gets through upload and and publication and distribution that would offend the government of China. Now imagine like take take wow. political dissent and now apply that to Ethereum. Say say that that would like if one Google web page or one uh like Chrome browser extension interacts with Ethereum and there's 20 to 30,000 people fighting against that making sure that nothing ever gets through like that's gonna make it really hard to use Ethereum, right? <laughs> At least <laughs> that in that jurisdiction, right? And so, like at some point, Ethereum, the, the censorship resistance of Ethereum kind of doesn't really matter, and we go back to like how censorable is the internet itself. And so, yes, I take your point that like at some point, it's not really Ethereum's problem; it's like the rest of the world's problem. Well, this is why, by the way, David, we uh, we continue the fight in meat space. Yes. Like, right. where it's like, this is one part of the episode, which is like, Drake is applying his tool set and he's like, here's what the protocol can do. Right. And here's what kind of the the, the social layer of Ethereum can do right. for censorship resistance. But it's not the last fight. It's not the only fight. We also had the same, same, same day, an episode right. with Jake Chervinsky about how in the jurisdiction we live in, which is the US, mm-hmm. how we can fight for freedoms that are enshrined in our social contract called the constitution. Hmm. And like how, if these freedoms are denied, how we escalate that through right. the existing system and fight for them. And that's right. also a fight that we need to have. So we're, we're in this place where we're neither complete code nor complete meat space. We need mm-hmm. to fight in both of these places. I just got an image of like Justin Drake and Jake Stravinsky as like this yin and yang. Like <laughs> I, I operate the nation state protocol and Justin Drake is like, I operate the crypto protocol and we're here to fight censorship. <laughs> it's true. That's what's going on. All right. Yeah. So that's, that's weak censorship. I got to say um, the patchwork of, well, well, it seems like kind of a patchwork of these things. It's like, if you're a Bitcoin maximalist listening to that, I bet you, you got through that part and you were like, this is a bunch of like, mumbo jumbo this is complicated but uh bitcoin just works (laughs) it's just like it's just proof of work it's just energy and it just routes around everything and it just works um but i actually think that this is um a far more practical like 
way of, you know, we talked about UIs, we talked about wallets, we talked about light clients. Like this to me is 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 hardened censorship resistance. And it's kind of the routing around all of the dams. But uh, strong censorship resistance, uh, strong censorship attacks. Okay, mm-hmm. when a, a when we get a group of centralized validators, if this ever happens to Ethereum, that try to censor uh, blocks, censor um, validation, you know, of those blocks, uh, what do we do? And this, to me, was not a technical answer at all. It was purely a social answer, David. Right. And that's what I found so interesting about it. And the other interesting aspect of this is it's really the nuclear button. Mm-hmm. This is like mutually assured destruction. And while I think the chances of this happening right now are remote-ish, uh, they're not out of the question. And it's kind of fun to game theorize about. Not only fun, it's actually a preventative measure mm-hmm. to start talking about this right. and gaming it out. What do you right. think about this? Right. Ima- imagine if like the Ethereum community just like didn't talk about censorship and all of a sudden just like Coin- Coinbase would be like, oh, OFAC just requested that we stop validating blocks that violated OFAC. Cool. And no one in Ethereum cares about Ethereum. So I guess we'll just start doing it. Like, and then, and then they start doing it. And then the Ethereum community is like, oh, they're not processing blocks that talk to tornado cash. Is that okay? I don't know the answer to the question. Is that okay? Because we haven't talked about it as a community before. Uh, And so like I, I, the Eric wall, do I want to read this? I think Eric Eric wall put out a tweet uh, thread this morning and he talks about uh, after he says, after having gone through how validator level OFAC censorship on the main Ethereum shed in He's had this conversation in his head multiple times, and I'm very much less confident that it's something that could be really tried by Coinbase, Kraken, Binance at all. It's not just because of the denial of service vector. Uh, it's more that it has to be coordinated and otherwise uncoordinated individual censoring validators just get minor uh, attestation penalties. And he might write this thread, basically says that if we'd want OFAC level censorship of the Ethereum protocol done by these central actors like Coinbase, Lido, Kraken, the coordination behind these teams has to be massive. They have to coordinate uh, the same sets of transactions. So they need to have consensus on what transactions they're actually going to censor, which means they need to have consensus on the rules of how to censor what transactions. Then they need to coordinate on a block height to start doing this together, which means they need to start to coordinate on generating an Ethereum client that they all operate on. So they need to generate like OFAC would need to generate an Ethereum client that's like OFAC Ethereum. And I think that is so far-fetched. And that's what Eric Wall's conclusion is. That is so far-fetched that like if the only thing that they could do is like have their own interpretations of which transactions to censor and they start doing them independently of other businesses of other entities and that just results in minor leakage penalties not slashing penalties and that doesn't actually have any effective coordination and so what my point here is that i don't think we will ever see a user activated soft fork on ethereum i will never see us taking the nuclear option i will only actually see us talking about the nuclear option yes, and how told, and I how like ridiculous it would be to get to that point but, and that but is really the extent of this whole thing when you're wargaming it out you have to talk about it gotta as talk if you're about serious it, yeah. mm-hmm. uh like like as if you have the raw capacity right i mean we talked about this offline a little bit about like um you know cold war russia and the u.s and nuclear test boom 
you know, more and more uh, megatons, like mm-hmm. larger and larger uh, nuclear explosions. And this is just a contest of like two powers saying, hey, we got this. We'll do it. We'll do it. You know, like, <laughs> Try me, don't bro. test us. <laughs> Try. It's basically like that. And right. this is Ethereum kind of flexing. It's, you know, uh, it's it's Roosevelt. Speak softly and, and carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. This is our big stick. If right. you are an if you're a centralized validator and you do this, mm-hmm. all right, what will Ethereum do in that case? What will the social layer do in that case? And the more we talk about it, the more we game it out, the more we like posture and pose about this, <laughs> the, like, the less likely it is to actually happen. Right. I think the, uh, the nuclear bombing of uh, uh, Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki is actually an anomaly in this particular example. There just so happened to be a massive world war with this country that refused to surrender right at the time we created the nuclear bomb. But what, after, what happened after that is Russia and the United States like just detonated nuclear bombs in like remote deserts for years. And they just like made bigger and bigger bombs. It's like, oh, like you're like 50 kilo, kiloton like yeah. warhead. Well, we made a hundred. And then Russia was like, oh, you made a hundred? We made a 200 bomb. And then we, they made a 200 bomb. We made a 500 bomb. And at some point the Russian made like the Tsar Bomba, which was like, such a massive fucking nuclear warhead that it was like something like a thousand miles. Like it was futile. It's like, okay, like if we do this, like we're just basically killing the earth. So like, what's even the point? And we just like compared dicks for like 20 <laughs> years. And then we realized like, we're never actually going to use these things. <laughs> I hope I freaking hope not. Oh, right. I hope not. But yeah, I mean that, that, that is the game theoretic equilibrium as uh, Drake might put it, is that the hard fork never actually gets used. You never actually fire the bullet, yeah. But if it was used, um, I'm pretty like confident at this phase that um, the credibly neutral chain would win. I don't know if you yeah. read um, the, the credibly neutral c- censorship resistant version of Ethereum would win. I don't know if you read um, Eric Wall's post on this so either. Good. So, yeah, it was great. Well, he kind of game theorized it out and just like think about it geopolitically. So, I mean, this is this is what I say to people who are like, but why are you so against censorship of North Korea and criminals and money laundering? Are you a criminal, David? Mm-hmm. Are you a criminal, Ryan? Do you condone criminal activity? It's like, what's wrong with censorship? It's like, okay, but like <laughs> at the question. geopolitical level, OFAC has a list. Guess mm-hmm. who else has a list? China. China has a list. Every country. Russia has a list. Okay. What happens when these- And the, our people are on their list and their yes. people are on our list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what happens when there's a conflict between yeah. these things? Right. Okay. Well, see, that's well, what I was talking about with like Coinbase and Kraken and like Lido. If they are all going to be OFAC compliant, they have to all come to consensus on what is actually OFAC compliant. Yeah. The, the OFAC compliant is just a thing in the West. And like yeah. we're in the West. So we're like, yeah, we're- the, those are the bad guys every and like to a degree yes there is i believe in objective truth i believe uh kim kim jong-un in north korea and authoritarian like i believe all of that is bad stuff and we shouldn't want that my point is in order for the entire world to adopt this and be able to actually communicate with one another and coordinate extra territorially extra nation state outside of the nation state apparatus we need like a one world settlement system don't we right and what does that settlement system need to have credible 
freaking neutrality. Right. <laughs> All right. And this can actually prevent wars, I think, because it facilitates trade and coordination between entities, nation states that do not trust one another. And that is a good thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, it prevents balkanization. Uh, so that is the case for credible neutrality. But it's like a, I don't know, I feel like sometimes, David, people don't like next level think anymore. They just like think like if they're playing checkers, everyone's playing, like they're just like one move ahead. Mm -hmm. Like they're not thinking about the deeper implications of like why we want uh, a credibly neutral system. They're just like money laundering, bad. North Korea, bad. Ban it. Like, we have to think much more deeply about this. Like we used to do, I feel like we used to do these sorts of things. We used to think more deeply about topics and consider their implications. And we don't do that. Uh, this is just me being a boomer and just kind of getting on my soapbox here, but right. you know what I'm well, saying. We're, we're about to go into a podcast with Zuko, um, probably titled Why Privacy or some derivative of that. And I've been listening to some, some Zuko content to just prep for that. Zuko, uh, the founder of Zcash. Zuko, the founder of Zcash, yeah. Um, and he's been making the claim that younger generations are more into privacy than older generations because we probably have like more at stake. Like we have our entire lives, and especially Zoomers, younger than you and I, a generation below you and I, their entire lives are documented. And so uh, regardless of whether they desired that. I want to ask him about that because are you sure I want that to be true? Mm -hmm. I think that's true for a subset, but I also feel like with millennials and Zoomers, there's also a nihilism about it, mm. which is like, it's they're inevitable. collecting all my data anyway. Well, yeah, but I think the, the nihilism comes out because they don't see paths forward. And yes. I don't, I think, and so like, you, you just learn to be helpless in that environment. It's like, well, like, how do I even protect my own data? Is What am I going to do? Not be on Instagram, not be on Snapchat, not be with my friends in a not social have a world, smartphone. not have a smartphone. Like, yeah. yeah. And so like, and so of course they get nihilist about it, but like, no, people in crypto aren't nihilist. People in crypto are heavily optimist because we have paths forward to remove ourselves from censorship and, and have privacy. Uh, and so this is a conversation I want to continue with Zuko is like, what, what does, what does a privacy enabled society look like? Your point is as well, that we're going to need some generational change yeah, and like some, some gen, like, um, pri privacy as sort of a like a given and a, and a right and assumption. I feel mm -hmm. like that's massively been eroded, yeah. especially we've talked about this so many times, but especially as we transition digital, now the nation state thinks and companies, corporations think that because it's in bits rather than like atoms, mm -hmm. that they get to log it in a database yeah, and they get to link it to your ID and they get to know everything about it. And we have not preserved that. It's been like kind of a sleight of hand, I feel like. Mm -hmm. As we've transitioned to digital, it's like we've lost a whole bunch of rights. Yeah. We don't even know it yet. Like society right. hasn't even woken up and, and realized this. Mm -hmm. It's the elimination of cash. What that does alone, right? It's completely digital. Everything tracked. Everything like frozen, locked out of a bank account. I mean, no one's talking about that as a societal issue besides crypto people. Yeah, big time. That's it. And man. talking about it's really important. <laughs> Censorship resistance. So. How censorship resistant is Ethereum? At the end of this debrief, how do you how do you feel about it? Like what what's your uh, I think your I score? think the protocol is a ten out of ten, uh, as in like right a now hard, a strong censorship. Yeah, right now, yeah, uh, ten out of ten censorship resistant, uh, and then the stack on top of it, the weak censorship, I think is a 
you know, I have for the last over a year now, I have not been able to figure out uh, my ledger and MetaMask in Chrome. And sometimes Firefox breaks too. Really? And so like I what I have to do is I have Update to just that wrap- firmware. Really? I do. It's updated. Really? I new like two separate computers, <laughs> both a Mac and a PC. Like law I don't get it, dude. And so like the cool th- the funny thing is is like this is actually censorship. It's just like accidental censorship, not on purpose censorship. And so I have to route around like stuff all the goddamn time. Uh and so I've been able to do my so sometimes it's just frustrating. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to bed and it's gonna work in the morning. And like that works like <laughs> wow. 75% of the time. It does. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Some troubles, man. And so, like from my own experience, Ryan, of being censored, <laughs> I think Ethereum, this this stack on top of Ethereum is like a 7.5 to 8 out of 10 on censorship resistance. Yeah. I, I would have kind of order of magnitude similar to you, you, but like less. If anyone in the Bankless Nation has had, I for a year, over, it feels like it's been two years, Ryan, where like Chrome and MetaMask this and is Ledger is help. not working. I am, this Don't is put a this call on the for deep, help. Well, actually, on the putting this on the debrief is like our, Safer. Yeah, because, yeah <laughs> safer. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, these are the premium members, right? You guys are deeper down the rabbit hole. So uh, thanks yeah. for any help for David in advance. Go DM him. <laughs> Please And help. Twitter. Go find his Twitter account and just tell him how <laughs> no, to get no, no, Ledger working. Keep it inside the bank, the inner circle. Don't, don't DM me on Twitter. All right, I do it respond. in Discord. All right. Uh, guys, thanks so much for hanging with us. Thanks Cheers. for being premium members. This has been The Debrief.